Our scripture this evening comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we'll begin in verse 23, and um, we will finish up in chapter 11, verse 1. I know it says 32 on the screen and in your bulletin, uh, but we're going to go one more. Uh, it won't hurt. In your pew Bibles, if you're following along in your pew Bibles, it's on page 1,138. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 23 through 11, verse 1. There it's written, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, Eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would join me in prayer. O oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It happens to us in our living that throughout it, as, as much as we want to turn to Scripture for the answers, not everything in life is black and white. Not everything that we are going to encounter in our living, in our being, in our doing, and with others is found in how to operate and how to behave and how to go through it within Scripture. So as much as uh, we want to say it is a guidebook, it is incomplete in giving us answers for every possible scenario. Of course, there are many things, though, that we are encountering today that the Scripture is clear about. Things of salvation, of the cross, of anger, of gender, of murder, of lust, of lying, of gossiping. Scripture is clear. And we can see that. And so we can go to the scripture and we can see where the Bible speaks explicitly about gossip, for example. But what do we do when the situation or the issue that arises in our life is not explicitly mentioned within scripture? 
How then are we to go about living and knowing that we're living faithfully as God has called us to? How do we navigate these gray matters that we encounter within our life? I believe while there are times that Scripture does not speak directly on everything, it does, however, provide some guide rails for us within our Christian liberty to be able to make decisions ourselves, to be able to navigate those gray matters. So for the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at Scripture and how it gives us the guideposts to navigate the gray areas. Not so that I can give you answers to the gray areas in your life and what you're encountering, but so that as you encounter the gray matters, you can do so with faithfulness and obedience to who God has called us to be. Now, Paul, he writes here to the Corinthians. And as we're reading, he says some things about eating meat, going to the market, and meat that has been sacrificed and what we should do. But at the end of all of this, Paul really makes what is the plainest of statements for the Christian life. In fact, it's so plain. It's really the purpose of our new life in Christ in that all that we do, he says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Of God. Right there in that very phrase, he encapsulates the purpose of the Christian life. For those who are born again, those that are now living in Christ within our Christian freedom, within the liberty we've been given to live in this world, and as much as we battle our own sin, all that we are to do, eating and drinking, or whatever it is that we go about doing the rest of our lives, we are called as Christians to do it to the glory of God. And so it, our primary purpose isn't our glory. And our primary purpose isn't to be successful or successful as the world would say that we are to be successful. It isn't to attain worldly possessions, to amass bank accounts that rival other nations, and it isn't to seek after and receive worldly acclaim, but rather the purpose of this Christian life is simply to glorify God. So at the most basic level of interactions in dealing with these gray matters and these issues, when we are left with a decision, we, we can ask at the most basic and fundamental level, does this glorify God or will this bring glory to God? And so while not everything is black and white and not everything is going to be, oh yes, this is 100% for the glory of God, there, there are going to be those things where we decide, well, there's a chance it could Bring glory to God if everything lands just right and so. But there are, however, only two distinctions our decisions and our actions will go. 
and our behavior, our actions, our decisions will either go to glorify God or to dishonor God. Either to glorify God or to disappoint and dishonor God. Our sin, we know, it it dishonors God. It goes against who he created us to be. He made us in his image, not so that we would rail against him and rebel against him, but so that in our living and being, we would glorify him. And so our sin, when we are rebelling against him and, and we're going against his way, it is a dishonor to God. Our lack of love and grace towards others dishonors God. When we act in selfish ways, it dishonors God. When we do not give our best effort with the abilities God has graced us with, we are dishonoring God. We've heard it said, what a God-given waste of talent. We can see it. We know God has gifted someone with such great talents and then no effort and use of it goes forward for his glory. Each decision we make, each action, either glorifies God or it dishonors God. Now, while there are gray matters in our life that the Bible doesn't speak directly to, it is pretty black and white what our actions and our decisions come about. So this is our foundation point. This is our foundation point for encountering these gray matters. This is, this is where we're all going to agree that we begin, that everything we do is to bring glory to God, and that if it's not bringing glory to God, it is dishonoring God. And, and we're going to agree to this most basic of principles in the foundational level of Christian living as we go forward through this. But the question still remains, how do we go forward when The Bible doesn't forbid this. That's what the Corinthians were dealing with, right? It was eating meat that had been offered in sacrifice to idols. What do we do in this situation? What about drinking wine? What about dancing? Or the music you listen to, the shows you watch on TV, the video games you play on your phone, the social media you post and repost and like. How do we apply to the glory of God principle in all that we do? Well, there's a few ways Paul leads us through in this example of meat sacrifice to idols to help us in our decision-making process on how we are to go forward. In, in verse 23, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Then he clarifies again, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Church word is, it's not, not everything is edifying, right? That is building up for the glory of God, building up in Christ. 
So the question, he says, is just because it's lawful and we have the Christian liberty to do so and the Bible doesn't forbid it, the question we come to in trying to figure out does it glorify God or not is does it edify myself or others in Christ? Does it build us up? Or is it just pleasurable? There's a distinction there. A distinction between building us up in Christ and building others up in Christ and doing it just for our pleasure. You can see there that, that one leads us into a move that glorifies God and the other one clearly leads us to, to a decision that dishonors God as it is uh, filled with selfish motives behind it. Does this behavior, does this action, does this decision not only build myself up, but will it also build others up? And so we're left with these questions, right? Do I have the right to do this? Does the scripture not forbid it? And does it build me up and the people around me? If the answer to both of those is yes, then go for it. Yes, we're allowed to do it. And yes, it's going to build myself or it's going to build others up in Christ. Yes, go for it. 100% of the time, go do that. It is going to glorify God in doing so. Now, will it go as smoothly as you planned? Will it come with suffering? Yes. Will it come with heartache and hardship along the way? Will there be speed bumps? Yes. Will there be times where we think that the plan we just made is the better plan than the one maybe God is working on? Absolutely. So there will come struggles. Just because we're attempting to do something to glorify God doesn't mean it's going to come free and easy. And you're going to prosper in that moment, but rather the life is still called to submit to him throughout that. Second, Paul writes in verse 24, he says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. This one is calling us to put others over ourselves. That if we're seeking to glorify God and not dishonor him, we want to put others over self. For example, if it builds you up but tears a brother or sister in Christ down... Guess what? It does not glorify God. Because it can't glorify God if it builds you up and tears a brother or sister in Christ down. That's not how it works. It's either edifying for all of you and not just some of you. Tearing others down is not an option. And, and, this, and this decision really comes from a place of love, Right? Right? We have to put ourselves to the side and be willing to love others enough to say, well, this is good for me, but it's going to tear them down. And in most instances, we, we will choose that anyway. And so we have to put ourselves to the side and say, it's going to tear our brother and sister in Christ down? We shouldn't do that. That's not loving. That's not graceful. That's not the way of Jesus. So... What you may do may be spiritually beneficial for yourself, but it may not for others. And so out of love, while you have the freedom to do it as a Christian, you make the sacrifice 
to love your neighbor over yourself. Side note, this does not mean we get to avoid truth. It's easy to sidestep truth because we say, well, I can do this. It'll glorify God, but it's going to offend someone else. Because the Bible calls us to speak truth in love. Not to do so in a mean-spirited way and to purposely tear someone down, but to avoid the truth with someone else, you're going to tear them down by not lovingly tell them the truth. See, we've taken this too far to make Christianity unoffensive. We're worried about bad press. Folks, we've already got the bad press. You can Google it. Christians are, and Google will automatically fill in a bunch of hypocrites, right? The bad press is there. The world hates us because of our beliefs and not because of us, but because of Christ and who he is and the truth he stands on. And here's the thing. He told us this would happen. The world will hate you, not because of you, but because of me. And yet we're still afraid to stand on the truth that Jesus stood on. Because it brings confrontation at times. And it's hard to follow through. It's dishonoring to God and unloving to quietly dismiss standing on the truth in Jesus because it offends someone. There's fine lines we walk in these gray matters, right? We want to be loving and caring to unbelievers. But if we avoid sharing the truth of Jesus and the gospel and of the word of God because we don't want to hurt their feelings or offend them, then we actually, I would surmise, do not love them, but love ourself and our reputation more. Amen. And then finally, what we want to do in these gray matter decisions is avoid legalism. We want to avoid being legalistic in how we live. Right? Paul says, eat whatever is sold in the market. Right? There, there's this concern over eating meat that's been sacrificed to, to, to a false god, to an idol. Right? So there's concerns. You're not supposed to eat that meat. If you know it's been sacrificed to an idol as Christians, we're not supposed to eat that meat. Right? So we're not supposed to partake in it. It's clear within Scripture we're not supposed to do that. That's not, it's outside of God's laws for his people. But Paul says... Eat whatever is sold in the market. If it's sold in the market, you don't have to ask the person, was this meat first sacrificed to an idol? Well, I don't know, but I bought it from so-and-so. And then you got to go find so-and-so to ask them, did you sacrifice this? Right? Don't look for reasons to be overly legalistic when we've been given Christian liberty and making some decisions. Don't go down this line of trying 
more than what is reasonable in order to not offend someone else, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, he goes into this scenario. He says, well, what happens if you're invited over to an unbeliever's house and you're there for dinner? And you're there and you're about to, you're about to eat this ribeye, right? Like a, a big old tomahawk ribeye, 22 ounces, medium rare. It's got garlic butter on it. Yeah, you're hungry because it's dinner time. I'm hungry too. And your brother in Christ is here at the dinner with you. So it's you and your brother in Christ and an unbeliever. And then your brother in Christ says, hey, I know for a fact that meat was sacrificed to an idol. What do you do in that situation? And Paul says, do we offend the host, an unbeliever, by not eating the food? Or do we offend our brother in Christ by eating the food? And Paul comes to the conclusion to the Corinthians and gives this instruction that we are to offend the unbeliever and not the believer. For one is family and the other is an unbeliever. Because if we offend our brother in Christ, knowingly going against what God has called us to do, so as to not offend an unbeliever, we go back a couple points and we have failed to stand for the truth located within Scripture because we're worried about our reputation by outsiders and not our reputation with Jesus. So don't do something that causes your fellow Christian to condemn you. You may be able to eat that meat, but once you know it's in his conscience it was sacrificed to idols, as hungry as we are right now and as good as that steak looks, we're not allowed to eat it. Ultimately, it's our purpose to glorify God in all that we do. And Paul concludes with this here in, in verse 1 of the next chapter. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Folks, as we live in a world where our reputation and our character is who we is and it's our social capital to interact with others, what we've done is we've overvalued how the outside world sees us. And when Paul says, be imitators of me, for I'm an imitator of Christ, if we look very closely at Jesus and at Paul and the lives that they lived, they offended a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. So much so, they both were killed for it, right? And to this day, the very words of Paul and the very cross of Christ is offensive to people. So Paul says, imitate Jesus. Do everything for the glory of God, and when still in question, find a way to imitate Jesus, to stand for the truth, yet be loving and graceful, right? There's words in the Psalms that are translated as steadfast, steadfast love, 
And in other translations, they come out as loving kindness. And how wrong would it be for us to become overly legalistic and condemning in the way we live and interact with others that we lose sight of the very loving kindness and patience Christ has for us in the midst of our rebellion because it is Paul who also writes, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get right with God and then like, okay, now you're worthy of my life being given for yours. He came and gave his life when we were unredeemable and he redeemed us. So let us not forget to stand for truth, but to be loving and graceful in doing so, to be reminded of the very loving kindness, the patience God has had in each one of our lives in how we go forth and deal with others. And then, and then as we imitate Christ, remember this, it was on the night that he was betrayed after they shared this meal together. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. And he's praying and he's asking God to take this cup from him. And here's where we're called to imitate Christ. He then says, but not my will, yours. Be it not my will, but your will be done. And in doing that, the gray areas of life will begin trending towards glorifying God.